So even even if at baseline it's going to be more risky, you're putting your life at stake. Uh, often, pregnancy and delivery is going to be the most dangerous time in a woman's life. So you're basically saying um, that that you know it's okay. You can risk your, just risk your life. Um, in order to further um, uphold my political views and my desires. <laughs> like, I think it's okay that you risk your life, assuming that you'd survive the pregnancy, you know? And sure. again, back, back to healthcare disparities, that's a very privileged thing to say. Welcome, everyone. This is Mike and Tammy back for another round of Flyover Logic. I'm Mike, a former teacher turned business owner, lifelong conservative, and a bit of a political hot dish. And I'm Tammy, a sociology instructor whose studies and life experience has firmly planted me in the liberal camp. Each episode, we'll give you a brief take on what's got us thinking, what the heck? We'll take a deeper dive into one big topic, and we'll end with sharing something happy, leaving you all with some Minnesota nice. Sometimes you need a bird's eye view to make sense of the world, and sometimes you need to land the plane and take a look around. We hope to do both and help each other learn something along the way. Hey, Tammy. Hey, Mike. <laughs> yes. How are you? I'm great. How are you? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's, are you? Yeah, I mean, I mean, yeah. it's I great. don't know why you do that. Every you time always you are say surprised. I know. You say because generally. I'm not doing horribly. Because most of the time when we are texting back and forth, we're, we're both pissed about something. Yeah. yeah. So um, I have to, speaking about being pissed about something, I had suggested that maybe we not do a Christmas episode, but we do a Festivus episode. And you're like, I don't know what that is. Nope. Did you, obviously you didn't watch Seinfeld. No, I think Seinfeld's dumb. Okay. It's that not may, funny. That may be true, but Festivus <laughs> is hilarious. Okay. So inside the show, they create a new holiday called okay. Festivus. Okay. For the rest of us. For the people who don't celebrate Christmas? Basically, it's for Jews. Oh. Yes. Okay. So they're all, well, not all. Many of the characters are Jewish okay. living in New York. And so then they didn't vet So they this. get Hanukkah. But then they want something else. Yeah, but Hanukkah is not that exciting. So they want something else around the... <laughs> okay. Anyway, so they make Festivus. And the the main thing you do at Festivus is there's the airing of grievances. <laughs> where people, you just, whatever okay. you want. Yes, yes. So that's we need that. All right, we should, so maybe we'll swing back and do a Festivus episode another yes, time. There's great. also feats of strength. Oh, But yeah. I just really love the airing of grievances. <laughs> as if we don't already do that. Right. All right. Okay. What, what do you got? Heck? Speaking of airing your grievances, what the Okay. Heck? This is just funny, um, but also as a college instructor, um, just I get it. So Kenyon Wilson is a professor at the University of Tennessee, and in um, on their campus, they hid a $50 bill in a oh, locker. Oh, yes. Yes. And then within the syllabus, they wrote the details of how to find this and the locker combination, and nobody claimed it. And whatever, like it's 50 bucks, but to a college student, that could be a really big deal. Um, but students never read the, the dang, dang syllabus. syllabus. And I just like, mm, it irks me. Anyway, I this is a what the was, heck kids. Yeah. Because first, it's a genius idea and I kind of want to do that. Um, but second, read your dang syllabus because I have to write it and there's a lot of words. Just read it. Did you, so did we talk about this already or was this somewhere no. else? I said like. People were talking about people not reading the syllabus. Yeah. Um, and like, example, was that you? I thought you gave this story about somebody who missed like a whole week of school because they thought they were on break. 
No, that they wasn't me, they were, but that, they were on, I, They thought they were me. on break, and then they emailed their professors. They're like, oh, I'm sorry. I thought we were on break. And the professor kind of freaked out and was like, what? And they looked at, like, maybe I had the dates wrong. And they're like, wait a minute. We don't no. have a winter break. No. Like, we didn't have a fall break. Uh-uh. There was no break at all. The child, because that's who they are, yeah. just decided that there was probably a fall break and nope. didn't go to school. See? And, like, of the questions that students ever ask... 75% of them can be answered by looking at your looking at freaking syllabus. syllabus. Every due date listed there, every Ugh. topic, every chapter, like it's in the syllabus. And yeah. also now you missed out on 50 bucks. So this is a super cool idea. So that's like a nice thing. That's Way right. to go, Professor Wilson. Also stupid But also children. what the heck, kids? So maybe yeah. we shouldn't be giving everybody free college because they certainly <laughs> shouldn't be there. <laughs> nope. I do not agree. Oh, no, <laughs> I do not concur. <laughs> I do not concur. Okay, what do you got? <laughs> uh, well, mine, mine is maybe not as funny. <clears throat> it's, okay. it's not as funny. But it just happened today, so I wanted to make sure I got on there. Because yes. we just, a couple of days or weeks ago, did a Build Back Better episode. Yeah. And I had said, this is, ha-, you know, regardless of whether you support it, I'm like, this is going to happen before Christmas. Nope. Uh, and today, Build Back Better seems to be dead because... In uh, a Fox News interview, Senator Joe Manchin from West Virginia unequivocally pulled his support uh, for the signature legislation. Okay. I don't I, really buy that, like, coming from Fox News, but they did leave without he, voting on it. Like, they left. Well, how do you not buy it? He literally said, I am a no. I am not voting for it. He I was just, on to say I know, that. But yeah. you're on Fox News. I just... Oh, so it's just fake no matter what, I even just, if he says I just, it? I'll, I'll give it credit when it, like, actually happens, when they actually vote on it, because he's all over the place. Well, they're so not going to vote on it. It's dead. It'll it'll be back after holiday break. build back? You think? I don't know. I just... I, what, what I, I was like actually shocked yeah because i didn't think he would just because he very was very clear like no i'm not gonna this is it's too big i've tried all the different ways i've been working on it for all this time and i just can't get there i will say to joe manchin's credit (coughs) he uses as a litmus like i have to go back and explain this to my constituents in west virginia and he's like this isn't gonna fly in west virginia fine but what really bugs me is like dude you knew that already. Like, why are we, we've been doing this for eight months. And my also the people of West Virginia, like you'd most definitely, definitely be benefiting from this. So maybe that's on Joe for like, you need to properly explain Joe what this Manchin. is. Yeah. Yes. But you have to also realize, so like where he came from, where he comes from went 40% over yeah. f- for Trump. Yeah. Like anyway, so that's like a whole thing, but yep. that was like, what the heck? But I, I do want to. Uh, Jen Psaki was having none of this. <laughs> I really like her. She uh, is she just spicy today. Yep. Uh-huh. Yes. Yeah, so she has a, they put out an official statement, um, but it, part of that included uh, Senator Manchin's comments this morning on Fox are at odds with his discussions this week with the president, with the White House staff, and with his own public utterances. Weeks ago, Senator Manchin committed to the president at his home in Willington to support the framework that had been presented um and he pledged to keep negotiating to finalize this fa- framework. And then she goes on. It's like four pages of line by line. Here's, here's what, what he, he said. said. Here's when he said it. Mm-hmm. Here's what he said. And she's just like. Nailed him. Yeah. yeah. So I think what was the other. The other Way to go, Jen. The other thing she said. Uh, yes. Uh, Senator Manchin's comments this morning are at odds with. The, yes. And are uh, basically made a hard. Just departs from their usual. You know, it's just like. It's awesome. I yeah. just loved it. Yeah. Like, well, I didn't love it. Hold on. Let me rephrase that. 
I like that the gloves came off a little bit. Yeah. Because they've Sometimes been, they should. But it's, they are, it's a tough, it's a tough line because he, honestly, you might not think it could happen, but he very well could leave the Democratic Party and then they won't. Oh, be, yeah. Then be totally yeah. out of the water. Yeah. He probably won't go to Republicans. He'll probably be an independent. Sure. But whatever. Like, you don't have the. Mm-hmm. Anyway, so it's been super interesting on Twitter today watching all the, because there's just infighting like crazy. Of and, course. Ish. Uh, Yeah. So we'll see where that goes. So I'm sorry, everybody. I told you Build Back Better was going to pass and right? it didn't. And again, the majority of people support the majority of the initiatives within the bill. Oh, get it done. All right. Stop fighting politics. Okay, what the heck? Um, <laughs> all right. We have an interview for you today. Yeah. And so um, Dr. Naomi Light is a friend of mine. Um from years and years ago and she is currently practicing at um as an OBGYN. And so Mike and I have had these conversations recently about these different laws that have come up and court rulings and all of this stuff. Um in regards to abortion. In regards to abortion. <laughs> yes. Yeah, starting like I mean t- Texas SB8 back earlier in the fall and now we have the Mississippi case that was just in the Supreme Court conversations mm-hmm. and so we've been saying we need to talk about this gang topic again. Um, but we wanted to include the perspective of somebody with, I mean, some training, yeah. right? <laughs> like, it seemed appropriate to seemed talk appropriate. to somebody who works in this area. Yeah. So let's bring in, you know, um, a subject matter um, expert, right? Um, so we um, are recording this conversation with Naomi for all of you. Enjoy. Yeah. Enjoy. <laughs> okay. Um, so we, um, so we have this little podcast and we have talked about abortion before, um, mm-hmm. just kind of in general because we fall in different camps. So Mike, um, traditionally was more of a conservative individual. Um, and I am more, you know, further on the left. Um, and mm-hmm. so we try to have conversations about things from those kind of different viewpoints. And so abortion obviously was something that we, had different ideas about, and we shared that in a previous episode. Um, and now with like um, all of these recent like bills being passed or going to different courts or whatever, um, we felt like we should talk about this again. And we thought, wouldn't it be better if we actually had somebody who's like <laughs> a trained what the, professional? Knows what talking about. <laughs> uh, knows all about those push portions. Yeah. <laughs> so somebody who somebody who knows a little bit of information about what they're talking about, um, instead of just Mike and I blabbing. And so um, I reached out to my friend, um, Doctor Naomi Light. Right. Um, in the house. In the I, house. I love that she I let you it. laugh at your name. <laughs> Like, isn't that funny? Isn't, isn't Naomi a funny name? I can't believe I'm a doctor. What? Right? <laughs> I know, right? Let anybody through these days. <laughs> On your next podcast, Dr. Death featured me. Oh, nice. <laughs> <sighs> okay. What time is it in Oregon right now? Jeepers. Noon? She's not. Anyway. All right. <laughs> Noon. I'm following your lead. <laughs> they, de- they decriminalized uh, drugs here, so I'm just saying. <laughs> so true. <laughs> Oregon is kind of like, 
like California, like they're kind of they kind of lead the way in some oh, of these more. I think she just got offended. Oregon is not like California. A little more progressive than <laughs> California. They hate each other. What are you talking about? Oh my gosh! I feel I'm like everybody just... hates California. Like they get, they get like a lot of a lot of shade, man. Oh. <laughs> they have a bad rap. Okay, I know. All right, so. Naomi, you, yes. okay, and I really feel bad because I should refer to you as um, Dr. Light because we are talking to you as a medical professional, but you're my friend, Naomi. Um, yeah, and your pants are on, so it's fine. Right. Those <laughs> yeah, are mine. <laughs> Good. We are not, we are not visiting fine. you for an exam. Um, <laughs> we, we can keep it cash. Oh, my god. So you are an OBGYN, <laughs> yes? Yes. Okay. Yes. And um, you graduated from UND, and that's where you and I met. Um, not in med school. I was not in med school, but you were in med school (laughs) at the time. Um, so we just wanted to ask you a few questions, some specifically related to some of these recent court cases. Um, and then maybe a couple of others. Um, so right now, big deal in the news is the Supreme court. Um, (laughs) I want to cut in already. Okay. Uh, (laughs) sorry. Oh my gosh. I already cut. I already cut. Anyway, typical uh, male. It, well, uh, yeah, probably. <laughs> would Would you mind, Naomi, especially because I don't know you, and then our uh, listeners don't know you. you. Like, if you could just like give us a, a short background of. I mean, obviously, we know you're a doctor. You're OBGYN. You went to UND, which is University of North Dakota. Um, but like, how did like why why did you choose this profession? How did you get in? You know, into it. What is your practice like now? You know, just sort of just give us a little bit of a uh, round out who you are and why it is that we should be listening to you in the first place. <laughs> well, uh, yeah, I didn't get all my information on Facebook, so that's a start. Well, that's because uh, Facebook hasn't been invented yet. Right? <laughs> well, yeah, it came out my freshman year of college. Oh, my goodness. Was, yeah, and that's what back in the OG days where, like, it was just open to college students. You had to have, like, a college email. Oh, right. So, it was right? The, uh, yeah. Yeah. the literal Facebook. Yep. Mm-hmm. Wow. Yeah. All right. Yeah. And believe it or not, I started at a private uh, Lutheran school, um, and I too was actually pro-life back in those days. But uh, <laughs> and don't, yeah, I probably should even like get started on that terminology. But um, <laughs> just well, not that, even that we can circle back to that. Yeah, we that, will. That's, yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so I uh, and yeah, so then I went to med school. Uh, initially, I did not think that women's health was for me, but then. Um, really felt like kind of called to the advocacy. Like we had um, some quote unquote personhood um, litigation going through um, the state of North Dakota uh, during kind of my clinical years of medical school. And it kind of shifted um, kind of my, um, my draw and my interests. And then I also just really felt um, compelled to advocate for women's health policy and women's health rights um, as well as, you know, just kind of feeling interested in um, the full spectrum of women's health, you know, delivery, surgery, um, you know, and then um, obviously uh, some of the advocacy um, and some of some of that um, in addition to all that. Um, And then, yeah, I went to um, went to Wisconsin for my training uh, and both states, you know, have pretty conservative um litigation um regarding um or guess just policy i guess in general regarding um terminations and um abortions um just and just to clarify too on that terminology so i think that 
it's important to kind of destigmatize even the name abortion because when we talk medically about um abortion, it includes miscarriages. So, um, or even people who are um, potentially undergoing a miscarriage. And so, um, that the, the kind of harshness associated with the term abortions is kind of, um, stigmatized. And so you have people who, you know, we call miscarriage a spontaneous abortion. We have incomplete abortion, septic abortion, um, all these things that don't involve um, a termination procedure, um, or involvement of a termination that still kind of uses that terminology. Um, but I digress. <laughs> um, but yeah, so that that's kind of how I got involved and why I have the interest. And really, it was kind of gaining that that actual information and fact based um, education that uh, kind of shifted even my own philosophy on um, terminations. So then, how did you get from Wisconsin to Oregon? Yeah, so I'm not going to lie to you. Um, I'm originally from Montana, <laughs> and so I wanted good to. Good thing. Good. <laughs> Thanks. Thanks, I'm not going to lie. If I'm one thing, it's painfully honest. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I wanted to be closer to the Pacific Northwest. But I also, again, was really passionate about being in a state that um, allows full spectrum women's health. Um, and I think that um, being be, having um, a skill set and that um, desire for advocacy, being in a state that kind of allows that was really important to me. All right. All right. I, well, there's like two thousand questions. Okay. Came, well, but you but, <laughs> no, you go. You start now. I but now we have a little. Okay, that gives me. That's see, like even. <clears throat> thank you, Naomi, because like even understanding like your path mm-hmm. um, to where you are today is, I think, helpful for people and helpful for having a conversation. Yeah. Like nobody, well, almost nobody, I, I think, is is, um, you know, they didn't they they weren't born with exactly. Uh, the ideas they have about everything um, mm-hmm, in their lives mm-hmm. now, and that we we do shift and change and alter our stances on things depending on experiences, education, whatever it is. Yep. So, like, this is really cool. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, you currently are practicing in what kind of capacity? Just to wrap up your bio here. <laughs> uh, yeah, I'm in. Um, uh, it's technically a private practice group, but we. Um, uh, practice. So we are affiliated with the hospital, um, but it's a multi-specialty group practice. Uh, so I deliver, you know, I serve as a hospitalist at our hospital, meaning that, um, or like OB laborist is kind of the other term where, um, I, I have 24 hour shifts and kind of whatever comes Gross. in, uh, <laughs> I deal with. And then, um, uh, yeah. And then have clinic and then, um, I do surgeries, you know, I, I'm robotically trained and, um, uh yeah like i said <laughs> as in you use you use robot robot <laughs> assistant right you're not like robotically trained like there wasn't like a... i'm not like trained by a robot yes, that's... <laughs> trained to use the robots. yeah i do use the robot okay. <laughs> it, i have taken over the robot the robot has not taken over <laughs> I, <like thing>. that. <laughs> I don't know which terminator that is but that is that one <laughs> Perfect. Okay, um, so yeah. I'm going to start then um, because you talked about um, the term abortion and how that includes miscarriage and some of that kind of stuff. I wanted to, I'll start with that instead. Um, there are states who have recently passed some legislation that um, prevent um, medical intervention in cases of those other forms of abortion that we don't usually consider, like miscarriage, mm-hmm. that kind of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And like, 
you know, women can be investigated um, if they miscarry. Like, mm-hmm. what could you have done to have caused, you know, your baby to die? How traumatic right. <laughs> that sounds to me. Right. But um, right. tell us just a little <laughs> bit about, like, if you could just go into a little bit more about that, like, medically necessary procedures that are falling under this umbrella of abortion um, that maybe normally we wouldn't think of. So when, when people are just saying, right. like, we're anti-abortion, um, mm-hmm. we're not understanding what all that actually means in some of these, in some sure. of these policies that are being enacted. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Let's, um, so yeah, let's talk about, um, various non-viable pregnancies that require for survival of the woman termination in order for the woman to survive. So first and foremost, the one that tends to come to everybody's mind right away is an ectopic pregnancy. Ectopic as a term means that you have something outside of the location that it is supposed to be. So an ectopic pregnancy is most commonly in the fallopian tube. Um, Sometimes it can be in the abdomen. Sometimes it can even be in your prior C-section scar. It can be um, kind of in the uterus, but not quite in the right spot, whether it's in the cervix or the corner. Um, But either way, no matter where it's at, can kill you. Um, and how it does it is um, you have this pregnancy that's in a location that can't um, can't supply that pregnancy. So it grows pathologically. And so like in the fallopian tube, it ruptures and there's a lot of blood flow. And so you bleed into your abdomen um, and you're, you're stable until you're not stable anymore. Um, so like I said, this is a life-threatening complication. And uh, for instance, last Wednesday, I had one that was six weeks, um, had a heartbeat in the fallopian tube obviously could kill her because it was, she was already bleeding into her abdomen. Um, but obviously, you know, we can't, so we can't, that's not something that can survive. Um, mm-hmm. it's only going to her, um, you can't reimplant it. That's not a procedure that exists. And even if we could, it, you know, it's already implanted. So those processes have already started. Um, another example is, um, where a probably simple example is just, you know, if we have a, what's called a missed abortion where, um, you have a pregnancy that, um, you know, has implanted, it's in the right spot, but for whatever reason, which most commonly is genetic, um, not necessarily hereditary, but genetic, um, is not capable of becoming a human. Um, So usually what happens is we get like some ultrasound evidence of an intrauterine gestation and um, follow it. And for whatever reason, it doesn't doesn't develop a heartbeat. Sometimes it doesn't even develop um, uh, an embryo at all. So we call that a blighted ovum or uh, an anembryonic pregnancy where you just have a gestational sacs. Those gestational sacs can date to six weeks. So I don't, you know, that area, I don't know what they want us to do. Um, Another example is uh, molar pregnancies. So molar pregnancies, um, so there's partial molar and complete molar. It's kind of complicated to explain, but um, it's basically where you either have an egg that's been fertilized by more than one um, sperm or um, Sometimes uh, I'll get into what a teratoma is later, but um. <laughs> like I'm imagining the vocabulary quiz, you know, like of, uh-huh. there are so many, there are so many terms. Um, yeah, I know. Just have at the top of your head. It's amazing. <laughs> so you know what thinking, happens? I don't remember that these are not normal things. Right. But, like. Oh, this is dinner conversation. Um, so right. I'm even thinking of like something that maybe we can all understand is just when you are carrying a baby and like you know your pregnancy is progressing, whatever, and then for whatever mm-hmm. reason that baby dies, right? Like mm-hmm. so, right? Exactly. You've, mm-hmm. you've like, lost the yeah. baby, and they're obviously yeah. still inside you. And there are now like cases where doctors have said, I'm no longer allowed to perform a DNE, 
which uh-huh. like what what does that mean or what can that do to a woman's body? Yeah. So, um, and just to circle back real quick to the yeah. gestational trichoplastic disease and the molar pregnancy, that can cause cancer. Like, it's a lot. It's not a viable pregnancy, and going untreated um, can cause cancer. And that procedure is usually performed either with the same medications that we use for. Um, uh, like a missed, missed abortion or even a termination, but the procedure is the same as a termination procedure. Um, but yeah, back to your question, um, a stillbirth and or um, a prior, prior to 20 weeks, we call it a miscarriage or like I said, um, missed abortion, spontaneous abortion. Um, so yeah, so that's generally, so prior to, um, generally prior to 13, 14 weeks, it's a dilation curatage. It can be before 10 weeks, you can do a medication. Um, and even kind of how we do the medications is very politically driven, but mm-hmm. I, we can get back later. You might even ask me that later, um, but um, the procedure is the same. Um, so either, um, so after 13, 14 weeks, it's a dilation and evacuation, regardless of why you're doing it, um, whether it's a termination or if you've unfortunately gone through a second trimester um, miscarriage. Um, sometimes we can induce, but there's even a lot of, um, Meaning like you kind of induce just like you would um, labor. Mm-hmm. Uh, but even then, because of, um, again, policy and litigation, and depending on what state you're in, you're not even able to use medications that provide both the highest efficacy um, or least side effect profile. So right. mifep- mifepristone is an example of this, and this is something that came up in um, the, uh, legislation recently, but, um, it's a medication that has higher efficacy and it also has significantly less side effects, but there's certain states, certain, um, FDA restrictions, um, things like that. They're obvious. They're not evidence-based, um, because it is a very safe medication that we can use, um, to both help with, um, missed abortion, spontaneous abortion, you know, miscarriage, stillbirth, um, that is really a lot safer and really has a lot fewer side effects, um, for, for the patient, um, that we can't use in certain circumstances. Um, so that's another, I mean, the procedure is going to be the same and that's the thing, like, uh, I, I don't know yeah. like, I just, how, I, think, I don't know. I, I think for me, that one, that one kind of, um, stings a little bit just because I, I did experience a loss of pregnancy and later in term, you know, where you would have required a procedure mm-hmm. like that. Um, right. and I just cannot imagine, um, like the, the stories, um, that are being published right now, obviously, you know, a mm-hmm. lot of that, a lot of that is for dramatic effect perhaps, but just having mm-hmm. experienced that personally, I can't imagine like you just have to carry that inside you until it figures out how to get out of your body on its own. Like we can't help you. And and that's, Um, yeah, that's a thing. Like there's a 12% chance that you won't. And especially after, uh, after 10 weeks gestation, there's a 12% chance that you won't and that it can kill you. It can become what I I was kind of referred to this prior, a septic abortion. You can get septic. And then what do we just let, you know, you can't treat that with antibiotics. You have to get the inciting, um, mechanism out, you know, like (laughs) antibiotics treat that you're just going to die. And just, I yeah, the trauma involved in that, like you're already traumatized. Exactly. Lost a baby exactly. That you, a pregnancy that you maybe wanted, you know, um, mm-hmm. so you're kind of having to go through that again. Um, right, right. 
then you have like pharmacists. So like there's certain areas um, where um, pharmacies can refuse to supply medication. Um, and you'll have these people, these poor people who have gone through a miscarriage and, um, you know, pharmacies aren't giving them their medication to pass that pregnancy um, because they, you know, they think that it's for termination. Um and so you have this poor person who's already kind of going through this traumatic event who then is having to, you know, kind of go around, tell their story, try to get this medication just to kind of complete this process that they never wanted in the first place. Right. Yeah. Um, so another, just totally changing gears a little bit, um, another case that is kind of in a lot of news stories right now is the one that the Supreme Court just heard from Mississippi where um, they are aiming to move the um, the line, so to speak, to 15 weeks. Um, mm-hmm. and so, like, all abortions beyond that would be um, illegal. And previously, um, and you can correct me here if I'm wrong, previously, like, Roe versus Wade kind of established that viability, like the point mm-hmm. of viability as the line for abortion procedures. So mm-hmm. what what's the big deal about moving to this 15-week line. Wasn't that, I've, I feel like it's nitpicky, but wasn't that Casey versus something? Ooh, yeah, yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Rover, sorry, I just want to... Good work, good work, good work. Somebody out there is going to be like, uh-uh, and then they'll be like, well, I'm yes. not going to listen to anything you have to say Thank anymore. You. So, right, right. Yeah. Not credible. Not credible. Not credible. <laughs> uh, yeah, so like this is, that's the thing. Like we're, we're trying to change medical terminology based on politics, and that's the thing. That's why really ultimately, you know, the ethics... And just even the terminology and basis for anything that we do should not be driven by politics because it's just not factual. So there is a 0% survival rate outside of the womb at 15 weeks. Even when we get to 20 weeks, it's still 0%. And even and that's when the American College of Obstetrics and Gynecology starts defining um, periviability. Periviability means you're kind of on the edge and you might make it, but probably not. And that's usually about 22 weeks. Mm-hmm. But really the accepted time is 24 weeks. Um, and even then your, your odds of having significant, um, neurologic disability and long-term consequences is very high. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, what's also difficult about 15 weeks and probably why they chose that is because generally anatomy scans where you actually see like lungs, heart, brain, um, generally is performed between 18 and 22 weeks. Right. Um, and so they're they're aiming to try to prevent um, terminations related to, um, I guess, congenital anomalies. So um, there's two things that I kind of want to hash out here is first dating. So when we think about dating and this is what's. Uh, what can really be kind of um, confusing and how sometimes legislators, again, should not be intervening in medical decisions is <laughs> that we look at um, just estimated gestational age. When we look at estimated gestational age, and a lot of times they try to use um, conception age. So conception age is technically two weeks less than gestational age. So gestational age has always been determined by, based on an LMP, your last um, menstrual period. And it's Which the first I day. Wanna, I just want to say... Right off the bat, if you are a woman and you know exactly when the date of your last period was, um, you are a rock star because every time I was asked that question, like, are you kidding me? Am I supposed to be writing this down? Anyway, so just if there are people who actually remember the the date of their last menstrual period, like, wow. Okay. You didn't didn't keep track of that one? I mean, (laughs) this is a... Oh, sorry. 
Oh, go ahead. No, I was going to say this is a serious question. Like during the time when you were when you were attempting to get pregnant, did you not keep track of that stuff? I'm just, we did. So that's I'm like, oh, doesn't everybody do that? I mean, obviously <laughs> nope. we don't do I, it all the time before or after, but like. <laughs> <laughs> You're not still tracking? Um, no, no. I, no. I, I okay. well, yeah, no. Okay. And, and right. And even as like, I'm a licensed OBGYN and I, I think it, my last period was maybe in 20, 2007. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez. I don't know. <laughs> okay. Then. So, so it, dating like, it that way. And, is- that, and that's kind of also like an interesting um, perspective that you kind of maybe inadvertently brought in is healthcare disparities. So people of higher socioeconomic status, um, that um, they're going to be the ones who are more likely to even have that information or even have um, right, access like to that. They know that there's an app for that and that they should be using it. Right. Yeah. Exactly. Exactly. And that how fertility that. works and that kind of thing, like um, that's that t- ten, ten, has a tendency to be more common among people of higher socioeconomic status. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so our dating is really messed up. So the first two weeks of your pregnancy don't count. And so sometimes with some of these laws too, you know, you have to look at, um, you know, conception age versus gestational age, um, and they make it purposely confusing. Um, but yeah, so like at six weeks, you know, the first two weeks, you're not even pregnant. That's why there's a kind of this, this issue with, you know, you may, you know, may not be able to even know, um, that you're pregnant. Right. Um, And and because a lot of people have irregular periods. So like by six weeks, you wouldn't even have a clue. Like, well, I'm just like a few days late. I don't know. You know, exactly. Yeah. I had somebody just yesterday who, um, like it was a faint line. I don't know. I'm over a week late. Like, I don't know. And she's trying to get pregnant. Mm. So you can imagine these people who, um, don't necessarily have resources, capacity of information, healthcare understanding, um, that are going to be, you know, have further healthcare disparity and all of this, sure. um, and be targeted by some of this litigation. Right. Um, so, and so then the other thing that I wanted to kind of point out is, so th- that's kind of looking like strictly at gestational age as a means of viability. So when we also look at, um, you know, in adults, how do we decide if somebody is dead or not? Um, in order for kind of when we went back and we're looking at organ donation, especially heart donation, we kind of had to establish two different ways to decide whether somebody was alive or dead. Uh, originally, it was, you know, if your heart stops beating. Um, but in order for us to um, do heart transplants um, and have it not we, be like, hey, I'm yeah. someone, we established that brain dead was also um, a second uh, a alternative way of dis- determining whether somebody is alive or dead. And so imagine that 15 weeks where we don't even have organ organogenesis or organ development nearly started, let alone completed, yeah. how we can even further determine whether somebody, whether that will even potentially be a viable pregnancy. Um, we can't determine things like anencephaly, uh, which is where you don't have a brain, um, cardiac defects, things like that, that you can't even determine at that gestational age. So we, it's still possible that you have a non-viable, like a pregnancy that cannot even become viable um, that you have now made so that they, you know, can't, can't, can't terminate. Right. Um, I so like I should <laughs> let you ask a question because I just... Well, I, I honestly, like, um, I think I meant, if I didn't mention it beforehand, like, uh, I told you before we even called, like, 
I think it's important for uh, particularly men to be part of this conversation, but obviously <laughs> I need to do mostly listening. <laughs> um, and you don't so, think that men should be the one making the rules about these issues, Mike? <laughs> you're you're gonna get me in trouble. Because <laughs> well, we we've talked about it before, yes, yeah, and like yeah. it is a it is a societal thing, and obviously there are two there are two or three how whatever people involved in 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 the creation of a pregnancy. Yeah. Boy, I can't even figure out how to talk about it. <laughs> so like. I, I don't, I do struggle. I'm not going to lie. I do struggle with the idea that, that, um, it's something that's, I don't even see, I can't even say it all out without feeling weird about it, but that it's something that's like solely that is own like men should, cause there are some people who are in the, in, I know you were going to bristle at pro choice. Cause we're, gonna talk about, <laughs> well, I mean like who are on that side, who men should have yeah. absolutely zero input. Like oh, we shouldn't sure. even be part of the conversation. Yeah. Um, and I don't think that's correct either. So right, right, right. Um, right. I am super, so I'm interested, oh, I'm interested in a lot of stuff. Yeah, but, start going. Well, <laughs> so you, you have, you, you have uh, migrated, not migrated, evolved in your, in your position. Is that correct? Over, over your lifetime on, yeah. on mm -hmm. and, and you said at the beginning, uh, you mentioned it when you were in North Dakota, that there was some debate or some legislation going on about personhood. Can you talk mm -hmm. more about that specifically? And then how that got you, because I think that that's really, when we really peel back the layers, what it is that I think people get stuck on is is essentially when when which you're just talking about with brain waves and brain development and stuff like when when is the when is this an a person who deserves protection right 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 like, because they cannot advocate for themselves so right right um can you talk a little bit more about that or is that Right. Well, and I think that's where, like, so for instance, a heartbeat law. Um, I'm gonna, I'm gonna ask you a question. How yes. do you define heartbeat? Well, uh, <laughs> I'm gonna be on your, I'm gonna be on your team probably on this one because the yeah. electrical impulses that they're using to describe a heartbeat is not a heartbeat. I understand where you're going with that because there's <laughs> not a heart to beat yet. <laughs> exactly. So, like, for instance, like, so let's say we. We have atrial contraction, but we don't see ventricular contraction. What if we don't even have ventricles? What if we don't even have heart, half a heart? Um, certainly, we see um, movement, mm -hmm. um, but is that would that be defined as a heartbeat? And that's not some. And so that's something that, while you know, has been oversimplified with with non medical people, is that um, you know we have these heartbeat laws. I'm like, well, I, I, I mean, no matter. I mean, even if I'm not pro-choice or whatever, like, I don't know how you would answer that question even at 15 weeks, sometimes even at 24 weeks. Like, to be able to say that you're seeing defined atri atrial followed by ventricular contractions that's in a functional way that can supply a human system, um, that's that's a complicated answer that you can't answer at 15 weeks. Mm -hmm. um, and like I said, sometimes not even at 24 weeks, like we've, I, I've seen it before where, you know, like we saw this baby going into heart failure on the inside um, because there was a severe um, cardiac abnormality. Um, and so, you know, do, <laughs> do we wait until um, that baby can feel pain? Um, do we, you know, do we let that 
baby and that mom continue to suffer. Cause what's interesting is so then um, when we have a baby who's go, uh, you know, fetus, whatever, going into heart failure on the inside, you can develop what's called mirror syndrome um, where the mom also starts to base literally mirror those symptoms and kind of go into their own version of heart mm-hmm. failure. Mm-hmm. And so at what point, you know, cause there's, you know, when uh, we always talk about like, Oh, when maternal life is at stake, well, how at stake does it need to be? Right. Uh, when when can we say that? And so we have things like, you know, the heartbeat lot. And I think honestly, it just for me, it became um, a lot of just interacting with patients and kind of seeing what they're going through, how these decisions are being made. Um, that you know, um, just the basic facts. I think it all also just comes down to just being open minded enough to just educate yourself, because um, you see with some of these, you know, so heartbeat lot. For instance, like I always, I already mentioned kind of the congenital um, abnormality issue with that, but then, uh, and gestational age issue with that, but, um, you know, that also starts to intervene with um, end of life care as an organ donation. Mm -hmm. Uh, So if we have a heartbeat law, you know, then there goes our, our, our heart donations, you know, um, and same with kind of the alternative, you know, if we have brain activity, you know, you can't determine, you know, neonatal brain activity. Um, you know, you kind of just see whether there's a brain or not and if there's anything in there, you know, like sometimes there's cysts and things like that. Um, so I think that was kind of a big thing and like ectopic pregnancies, you know, it kind of just starts slowly, you know, like, um, and you have people who are, um, you know, did, that they're diagnosed with breast cancer. That's the breast cancer is the most common diagnosis in pregnancy, uh, most common cancer diagnosis in pregnancy. Um, and so, you know, and a lot of breast cancers are estrogen and and progesterone, um, receptor positive, which both surge in pregnancy. So not only would you not have access to chemotherapy, um, but you also would, um, accelerate the growth of your cancer, um, potentially killing you. Um, so, you know, is, is, is your life at stake enough then, you know? Um, so it's just kind of some, a lot of these other, these other factors that kind of slowly kind of opened my mind, um, that then kind of made me realize just, and, you know, and, and kind of seeing, um, what others have to gain in the process, you know, that ultimately one in three women has had an abortion. Mm. So, you guys know somebody who's had an abortion, probably multiple people. Um, anybody who's listening to this knows somebody who's had an abortion. Um, and one in three people is not, are not bad. We do not have that many bad people. <laughs> right, right. Like, when, can, I, can I just clarify like, too, Naomi, like when yeah. you are looking at a statistic that says one in three people have had an abortion, is that like mm-hmm. the big umbrella abortion, like including miscarriage, including like all of that? That's no. not... So this is specifically speaking to what what kind of mainstream is considered a, an abortion procedure. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Which mm-hmm. makes it even more astonishing. Like, right. It's exactly. A lot more people the, than you think. Well, it really. So like, then it makes it only one in six, though, because half of the guys are not. They're not having abortions. So. <laughs> it's one in three women. One in three women. That well, you know. but you said yourself that it takes a guy too, right? Well, <laughs> that's true. That's true. <laughs> so. Um, one one of the things that um, sparked some conversation um, during the Supreme Court um, conversations recently about this Mississippi bill was when Justice Barrett um, said, you know, just give it up for adoption or safe haven, like carry that pregnancy. Um, and in 
in an article that I was reading about that, they quoted um, that like in Mississippi in, in particular, there are 70% more medical issues for women who give birth in Miss- Mississippi than those who have abortions. Like people who are pregnant um, can have a lot of medical complications, um, but we don't talk about like maternal mortality rates or how hard it is on a mm-hmm. woman's body to carry a pregnancy. Like what are we missing when we just say like, just carry this baby and give it up for adoption? Right. I mean, that's the thing. Like, ultimately, um, no matter which abortion procedure you're doing, um, it's safer than carrying a pregnancy to term, even if you have no other complications. Like, let's say you're normal, have no health issues. A termination is always going to be safer for maternal health than carrying a pregnancy to term. Um, And that's assuming you have no complications. So we have plenty of women who have diabetes, who have heart failure, who um, have all sorts of other issues that can uh, make pregnancy significantly more dangerous and where pregnancy is technically contraindicated. Um, So even even if at baseline it's going to be more risky, you're putting your life at stake, uh, often pregnancy and delivery is going to be the most dangerous time in a woman's life. So you're basically saying um, that, that you know, it's okay. you can risk your, just risk your life um, in order to further um, uphold my political views and my desires. <laughs> like, I think it's okay that you risk your life Assuming that you'd survive the pregnancy, you know, and sure. again, back, back to healthcare disparities, that's a very privileged thing to say. Yeah. You know, we look at, um, you know, African-American women in this country, um, American Indian women in this country who, um, you know, are dying at higher rates, have more complications, who also tend to have the least access to terminations. So, um, again, it just further... Um, widens healthcare disparities. And again, like I said, even if you have no other complications to your pregnancy, that's significantly more dangerous and all for somebody else's political views. Well, and like, we joke a lot about like, oh yeah, kid, you wrecked my body, you know, like, oh, because now I have, now I have a saggy stomach or stretch marks or whatever. Like that's what we joke about, but really it can wreak havoc on a woman's body. Like women have complications from growing another whole human yeah (laughs) right like i mean also women are rock stars for you know being able to do that it's pretty crazy am i I required to agree with that you're giving me a look that says mike you're supposed to agree with that yes you guys are rock stars stars. (laughs) absolutely um i think gonna get an amen mike (laughs) yeah (laughs) i think when uh i'm trying to think of what i what passed through my head then when you were mentioning the because because you are right i mean like uh being Carrying a pregnancy is uh, inherently risky, um, but I don't know. I bristle a little bit at when people say, when like w- like the way you phrased it, which was, um, I want you to risk your life for my political, what did, how did you say it? Political, pers- political views. I don't know, views, whatever it is, because the people <laughs> who are on the other side uh, of that coin that are, that are, you know, if it's Amy Coney Barrett saying like, you know, whatever, I... I I think that there she's not do, she's coming at it from a different perspective where she it's not a political view and this is why it gets really messy it's a it's not it's a, a political view. view it is a and I don't even want to say religious oh, okay it's like a it's a belief mm. you know what I mean because it obviously it's wrapped up for a lot of people in their religion but it's it's it, it also fine uh, you're whether it's political or not it's still yours right sure and a belief it's not necessarily fact you know what i mean like ultimately when we do medicine uh 
my beliefs don't don't really matter. <laughs> uh, <laughs> facts uh, and you know, based the, you know, certainly ethics, um, and you know, those are even those are determined by a body of evidence. You know, like. Uh, th- th- your beliefs are cute uh, and anecdotes are fun, but um, ultimately Aww. it's the literature and, um, you know, evidence that oh, like science matters. Them. I love it. Yeah. I want to, <laughs> I want to ask more about what you do for advocate for on your ad. I'm actually, this is a serious question and kind of a poke fun question uh, about when you say you, uh, you wanted to get more involved in advocacy, because if you're out there trying to change any kind of minds, if you start with your beliefs are cute, you're probably not going to get very far. <laughs> Yeah, that's that's adorable, <laughs> sweetie. Uh, you're so cute. Bless. Uh, no, but when you so when you refer to advocacy, I'm, I, that was another thing I want to circle back to. Like, what do you, what do you mean by that? And then why did you go to a state that already has uh, less restrictions? Like, why not stay in Wisconsin and and try to to advocate there? Yeah. So honestly, even in Oregon, um, there's still, you know, there's still a lot of need. So for instance, it's me and only one other provider um, in all of Southern Oregon who um, are even um, trained to do DNEs. Oh, uh, in, the whole, yeah. in the whole half of the state? Half of the state. Okay. And so even, it, so even parts of like Northern California um, are, you know, need to come up and see us, um, in order to have certain procedures done or again, regardless of why they're having them done. Um, so even in Oregon, despite, um, having, um, less restrictions, there's still, there's still a significant need. Um, and so, and that's also because, and also it just kind of comes down to, I believe that, um, I, <laughs> how do I want to phrase it? I don't this? know, but your beliefs are cute. <laughs> Thank you. But see, but do you see how I'm not letting them, I'm not pushing them upon other people and yeah. determining how, what they do with their bodies. Oh. Well, played. <laughs> well played. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So like, I just, um, I felt really restricted in, um, other States. Um, and so I felt that, um, I know that this state still needs some, uh, nil, still needs some able bodies, but like, I don't want, uh, my training, um, and those resources to be wasted. So like for that reason, like sure. I wouldn't go somewhere like this, you know, like uh, I would, I would lose that skill. Also, I think, and I'm totally putting my thoughts and beliefs on you right now, but I would think it would be difficult if I was trained in that area to like tell a woman, here's what I think medically would be best for you, but I cannot do that. Like, Exactly. Not, to not exactly. be able to, yeah. Well, that's exactly it. like that. Like in residency, you'd see it all the time. Like, um, like that cardiac issue I was talking about. You know, we had a patient who was twenty four weeks, and um, you know, she that's you know she found out, and um, she's like, oh, okay, I you know I want to turn. I want. She didn't even say terminate the pregnancy. She wanted to deliver or be done, and um, we we couldn't. You know, like unfortunately, we have to wait till, uh, whatever we are defined or whatever kind of, uh, flicker we're seeing, um, is gone. Mm. Um, and that, you know, things like that were really, really how many, like the number of desired pregnancies. So that's the thing too. Like there's a, a large majority of pregnancies that are terminated that, um, are desired pregnancies. Yeah. Uh, and I think that's something that's really missed in all of this too. Um, is that, uh, like having, like, seeing women who had desired pregnancies, um, who that they then basically, you know, had to decide their life or 
you know, this, this baby that's not going to survive either. Um, you know, that watching that. And then sometimes when even that was limited was really difficult. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so, yeah, I wanted to go to a state that had more resources for women um, and that I could help be one of those resources. So do you guys have, um, like, what is, is there, is there any middle ground really? Like, this is something we, I think we, Tammy and I talk about a lot is like trying to find some sort of middle ground, but in the, in this category scenario issue or whatever, is there, is there really any, any middle ground? Because any way you, you, any way you start regulating it, which we have been regulating it for 50 years or, you know, like, uh, it, there's it it gets complicated because like you have, I mean, I don't think you're going to find a lot of people who will disagree with you. Even people who say they're pro-life um, for a lot of the issues that you brought up, the medically necessary things that, you know, all of those things when, when they actually sit down and listen or experience it themselves, like mm-hmm. they're not going to be, you know, they're not going to be against that. Um, but I don't, I don't even know where I'm going with this. It's like, is there any middle ground? Or are we just going to fight? Like, is it just fighting? We distill it down to pro-life, pro-choice. That's the only, you. those are Which the two dumb. sides of the coin. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I guess I, I don't know what I'm like. I'm asking is you to like, what's, what, what would be an acceptable resolution to you? Or is that just like no, no regulation at all? Well, I mean, that's, what's kind of like frustrating is that, um, in medicine, there's regulation on everything. Um, <laughs> and so certainly like the thing is we don't need more, you know, like we, like we uh, in medicine, we just kind of already are regulated pretty extreme because these are, these are people, you know, that we're responsible for. And, um, ultimately no other procedure, or no other aspect of medicine is regulated to this degree. Um, and, uh, and it's not evidence-based, these regulations, you know, like I think it's, that's what's the kind of the, the mind block for a lot of us physicians is that um, just follow the evidence. Like at the end of the day, that's kind of what we fall, fall back on. That's our security is the evidence. Um, you even see it with kind of like the, the COVID pandemic, you know, like um, we, it's the evidence, you know, like it's hard for us to kind of go beyond that. And so um, I think that um, common ground is, um, to honestly leave leave the decisions between a medical provider and that person between those two. Um, ultimately, you know, again, kind of drawing back to my not putting my beliefs on um, another person. This is I always say this in the labor room. You know, like my my job here is to counsel you on and give you the information for you to make your decision. Um, I keep you within the lines of safety, and if we are outside of that. I redirect us, but ultimately, um, I give you the information and you make the decision. Um, and I don't see how this, this aspect of healthcare, um, should be any different. Ultimately, pregnancy is a medical problem. It's not something that, um, you know, is, (laughs) is, you know, it's not anything else. Um, and so following the evidence and just sticking to evidence-based medicine, um, I think is, should be the common ground, um, I think that if if people don't agree with abortion, fine, don't have one and hope that you're never in one of those positions that I just described where 
you know, it's, you have to make a very, very difficult decisions and hopefully you, you make the decision that you've been advocating for all these years. Mm-hmm. I think what's hard for me when thinking about a common ground kind of a thing is that so much of the advocacy for further regulation or for bans altogether um, are based mm-hmm. in misconception. Like, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. I mean, that's why we were like, oh my gosh, if we're going to talk about this again, we probably should talk to somebody who knows a little bit more, you know, like, because we have all of these misconceptions about what the heartbeat looks like at six weeks or when they're a viable, you know, pregnancy or right. like people just don't know, right? Like we're not trained medical professionals. And so I think that it's really hard to um, even think that there's common ground available right. within that because like you're basing your argument on some of those misconceptions, at least when we're talking about legislation. Um, oh, exactly. Exactly. Like, and that's the thing, like, I don't think you're even going to find common ground among people who consider themselves pro-life. You know, in my experience, um, there's, there's some people who are pro-life who don't agree with in vitro fertilization. Um, there's some people who are, um, pro-life who, um, you know, discuss like things like, um, you know, parental consent, you know, you know, in times of incest, what's that complicated by, um, so I, I think that common ground among um, people who, you know, agree or disagree with abortion, I think it's even, it's even too difficult to have common ground among people who um, believe on one side or the other. Mm, yeah. What's your answer, Mike? I don't have one. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's, it's one of those things which, uh, just like almost anything, like no matter what happens legislatively in the next five years, 10 years, 50 years, um, no matter where, you know, if it, if ever, we, all of a sudden we, you know, legally banned abortion completely, or if we just said, you know, all, all bets, are, you know, whatever, it's all legal, we will still be having this conversation mm. um, because we are going, each side is going to be trying to woo the other side to, you know, make choices that w- they agree with. You know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. so it's one of those things that's slightly depressing. Cause I, it's, I always want to find, like, I want to find the, the, the pragmatistic, yeah. pragmatistic, pragmatic, uh, pragmatic, you know, middle ground deal and we can just tie it off and then we don't have to talk about Stop this talking anymore, about it. Yes. <laughs> but yes. it's never yeah. going to not be talked about. So, yeah. mm-hmm. um, but I think mm-hmm. it's important to at least be able to talk about it without, you know, screaming uh, obscenities at each other or, or thinking that the other person is coming from a position of malice of some kind, you know? And I think that's where we go. Both sides do that almost in- instantaneously, you mm-hmm. know, um, and it, that never gets us anywhere. So yeah, no, it's it. Yeah. And I think that's a big part of it. You know what I mean? Like, I think that what makes like this topic so difficult is that it is so emotionally charged yeah. you know i think that um that's what makes it difficult for um people on both sides to honestly even hear facts you know to even like open their mind to hear um one side or the other is that it's just so emotionally charged um and i get it i do but um ultimately like you know like i said i think that um I think a big part of it too. So this is kind of like a tangent that I 
um, meant to get on earlier, but <laughs> <laughs> you brought it back, <laughs> right? Circling back because like there's a because we were kind of talking about terminology and like pro life, pro choice, but like there's this kind of mentality of pro abortion, and I can tell you right now, there's nobody who's pro abortion. <laughs> like, right. Nobody wants them to be happening, you know. Like I think that's maybe where our common ground can be is that nobody wants them. Mm. Like if we if we could have some way that we could prevent them all from happening, I think both sides would honestly want. 100% agree because it can be traumatic, um, a traumatic decision. There's a lot of stigma, but uh, ultimately that that's not, it's not a fun thing to have to go through um, regardless of the reasons why you're having to go through it. Um, so potentially that's your common ground is that nobody's pro-abortion. <laughs> yeah, no. I've, it, and we talked about that too, like the, the language that we use is so charged and that prevents a lot of effective mm-hmm. conversations just because like... Mm-hmm. You're not you're not actually pro life if you let me define that, or you're not actually pro choice if you let me. De- you know, like just the words right, that we right. use are so are so charged. Yeah. Yeah. Uh huh. Uh-huh. Agreed. Agreed. Um, Agreed. All right. I'm gonna. Uh, I think we got to kind of wrap up at some point in time, and and we usually do this with most of the guests that come on, um, and I think it's appropriate here too is to just ask you if there's you know. If you, you know, you, you do advocacy, um, this is, this is your wheelhouse. What, is, what, of something that we haven't covered yet, which is maybe what we just hit on, um, what would you like, you know, quote unquote, the other side to hear? Like if they were, if someone were to make it through this whole conversation, <laughs> um, and not agree with you and not have you thrown something across the room already, like ultimately, like what is like the one thing that you would, you want people to take away? I think a big part of so one big thing I think is that there's there's always this concern that um, you know it's something that's going to be used as birth control, um, mm. you know that people are like getting a latte and an abortion, and um, that's also not happening. We see it both in the literature, but then um, you you look at kind of what you have to go through with some of these procedures. Um, even if you do the medicine, um, it is it's not a good time. And so, if somebody is uh, this, this is not happening because any um, form of contraception is going to be a lot more easily tolerated. Um, than having to go through um, any aspect of this. But um, kind of more on another level is that uh, I think the main thing is that, you know, regardless, if you still disagree with me at this point, that's totally fine. But I I appreciate that you're open-minded and um, willing to um, at least listen to um, another perspective because I think that's honestly the start. And I think that, um, I think where we've kind of gotten lost in a lot of areas is, um, a a mutual respect, you know, like it's okay to disagree with somebody, but kind of respecting where somebody's coming from, um, I think is really huge and staying open-minded to that. Um, but yeah, I know that, um, I've seen many, many women make this decision and I can tell you it's never been easy. Um, it's never been something that, um, anybody takes, um, lightly, um, no matter how indicated or um, if there are no indications and it's strictly elective, it's, it's not an, an easy decision for anybody. And um, ultimately um, despite, uh, you know, not agreeing with the decision that's being made um, knowing that, you know, it's not something that people take lightly um, and people are just trying to make the best decision for themselves and, um, even sometimes that potential fetus. All right. 
You <laughs> what? Now you have more questions? No, I'm fine. <laughs> well, I mean, I always have more questions, but I like know. eventually, eventually, I have to stop talking. <laughs> mm. Oh yeah, um, I have a lot more questions. Anyway, um, well, thank you so much, um, Dr. Light, for your time today and for your willingness to have this conversation, um, and just all of the information. Um, that you shared with us today. I think, I think it was helpful. I learned a couple of things. Yeah. So, um, that was great. And also I just really appreciate that. Um, I think, you know, it's, it's pretty clear where you fall, um, in terms of which camp you're in, but also like you very clearly communicated, um, a respect for people who don't agree with you. And I think like you nailed it. I think that is so important. Um, so a willingness to come to the table with that. Yeah, I, I agree with everything she. I agree with everything that Tammy just said. Uh, no, it, it, I, and I super. Do you, if you ever get back to the Midwest, though, I want to. I think I need to meet you because I want to hear more stories about Tammy in college. Um, <laughs> yeah, that's right. No, uh, it's it's always it's always good to have conversations, especially like um, because it, if you're somebody uh, who is. Um, let's just say, well, yeah, whatever, on the pro-life side, it's always nice to hear and have a conversation with someone and you're like, oh, that person's a human. Yeah, uh, right, right. She right, seems right. nice. Like, <laughs> I, I mean, I can't see you because this is a phone interview. I don't think you have horns, you know, like that kind of thing. So yeah, um, I think you're absolutely right. At Horny, the, yes, yeah. but no horns. <laughs> oh, at the end of the day, it's just, uh, sometimes it's just starting conversations that are, that's, that's the most important step. So, um, no, this is, this is really good. Um, I like, like Tammy said, I learned a lot as well. And I, I, I don't look forward to, but I look forward to having more conversations about this because it's exhausting. <laughs> <laughs> but it's necessary, right? It is necessary. Like we have to keep showing we up. We have to keep doing it. <sighs> yeah. All right. <laughs> All right. Thank you very much, Naomi. Yeah. Thank you. Okay, so Rid of the rat. that was super fun. It, it was super. <laughs> it's weird to say it's. I do feel uncomfortable oh, yeah, yeah. every yeah, time sorry. to say it's super fun, but it, it was maybe, a delightful conversation. Also, maybe we had most of the laughing before we and press record and after and we press record, so that yes. made it more fun. But anyway, uh, yes, because it's it. Yeah, I don't think we all <laughs> need it. So one thing that was nice is to get sort of what well, well, we say like in the weeds about some tech technical stuff and yeah. like how pregnancies work and how yep. uh, some pregnancies don't work and the medical procedures that are involved. All those things are good to sort of wrap your, we distill everything down to su such an easy, like pro-choice, pro-life, that's it. Black and white, yeah. Um, and to know and be somewhat understand, have an understanding of the complexities of the issue. Yeah. Nobody so has important. to, yeah, but nobody has to also, you don't have to become like a super expert no, on all no, of no. these things. Yeah. Um, there are lots of people who have become super experts and most of them are OBGYNs. Yes. So maybe find one and talk to them yes. if you have more questions. If you have more questions. <laughs> who knows? Maybe they'll be as open as Naomi was. Yeah. That, so that was really good. Yeah. 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 Um, and I learned some things. So yeah. that was great. I like to learn things. Yeah. <laughs> and some new vocabulary. And new vocabulary. <laughs> All right. All right. Let's wrap it up with something nice. Something nice. Something nice. All yeah. right. Do you want to go first? Or sure. Okay. I will go first if I can get it to pull up. Um, 
the it was on Twitter and on the on the other social medias and stuff like this. But an ice cream truck operator, I believe it was in New York City, Hassan Dervish. I hope I get his name right. Passed away recently. He was fighting cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and he had been, I think he was 62 years old. He had been an ice cream truck driver for 40 years. Wow. Um, and the reason it was in the news everywhere is that there was a funeral processional that happened that went from the the church to the cemetery. And it was full of ice cream trucks. Um, I love that so much. It was so Awesome. That is so cool. there was a whole, all of his colleagues or whatever um, who knew him. And apparently like when yeah. you're in the business, your friends, know, yeah. uh, they got, they were in part of the processional and they are all driving their trucks and playing their little ice cream songs. I and love that. Yes, it was very heartwarming. And like, just like, we're going to come together and do this thing. That is super cute. And it was really cool. Apparently this is a thing in Europe, like ice cream oh. trucks and like lining up for parades like this for processionals for funerals like it's like a thing that happens on the regular we should bring that here i think so we need some of that so it was pretty fun um also it just made me kind of nostalgic because one of our my very first that's nice was a story about an ice cream truck rewriting the uh ice cream chunk jingle yes for uh the good, how oh, am I to get it? The good wrong. humor man. Good humor man. Yeah. Because there turns out their uh, their little jingle yeah. was racist, and uh-huh. uh, they fixed it. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Wow. So it's like a double nice. I love that you remember that. Cream. I know. <laughs> anyway, what do like you got? Last week we had Mike saying the same story twice in a row. Oh my gosh. Um, and now double, you remember like, oh, the first nice. one You're that first? I said was wow. Last so. week was a week. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Okay. All right. Mine isn't nearly as fun, but kind of cool. Um. <clears throat> so now I feel like I should have gone first. But well, that's fine. The rapper Logic. Have you this ever heard cool. of this? This is cool. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I don't listen I've to it, but I've it. heard the name. <laughs> but so way back in 2017, he had put out a song um, with a suicide hotline number in it. In, like embedded in Embedded it. in the song. He performed it um, with a couple of other artists at a couple of big award shows. So it was, it was performed kind of in major places um, a few times during like the release of the song. And a study was just released this past week showing um, a 5.5% drop in teen suicide um, the 34-day period after these performances and this song. Like, huh. So a caveat would be, like, from a research perspective, can That's you a say... Really, it's a really small... Uh, yeah. <clears throat> but can you say, like, well, it was this song, this was the specific reason that... So, right. But I get that. So I'm not, like, trying to throw out, like, this is exact correlation, but this is just really cool. And and the point of the study was to say, or like, you know, at the conclusion was like, people who have an audience or a platform can have an impact. Like sure. the number of calls to suicide hotlines increased dramatically during that time, um, you know, immediately after or when that sound was popular. Um, so people were reaching out for resources, less suicides were happening. You have a platform, you can make a positive impact. And so that I that just really cool. appreciated. Yeah. So, yeah. Super cool. And people are calling. I mean, it's sort of like a double-edged sword. People are calling the hotline. Yeah, but, right. But they're calling the. They're hotline. calling. You make the number, you know, promoted by, uh, you know, somebody famous. There and you go. People will use it. Yeah. Anyway, so that's cool. Awesome. That was nice. That was nice. Well, there you have it. Another episode of Flyover Logic. This is Mike and Tammy saying that even if you don't have time to land here, we're glad you found time to listen.
I'm, what are we gonna? We're gonna just do. We'll go. Forty-eight hours later. Here's a recap. We walked away from the interview about abortion because you were like, "No, I don't want to do follow-up thoughts. We should have a whole separate other episode, so we don't need to do follow-up thoughts." Yeah. And then the next day, Mike is like, "We need to do follow-ups," and I was like, "Oh, really?" Was that really how it went? Yeah. I don't think that's how it yeah. went. No, it went more like this. I thought that we were going to do a, a whole nother show on all these uh, abortion cases and whatnot. Yeah. And then you're well, like, hey, by the way, I know an expert. And so I'm like, cool. And we we did the wonderful interview. Yeah. So I thought we were going to do two separate ones. But then I'm like, no, nah, it needs to be together. Okay, let's do it. So, hi, Tammy. Hi, Mike. So we, this is... <laughs> Literally 48 hours approximately after our interview with Dr. Naomi Light. Mm -hmm. Light. Mm -hmm. How do you spell that? L-I-G-H-T. Like it's just like a light. Yeah. I thought maybe it would be like a weird spelling. She is like some light I've in I've never heard anybody with the last name Light. Oh, so. yeah. Is there any darks out there? Yes, there's a David Dark. Oh. Yeah. I'm sorry. He's on the Twitter. The Twitter. Yeah. You sound like such an old guy when you say the Twitter. Well, that's my intention. I'm trying to, <laughs> I'm trying to pretend like I am old and wizened, okay, um, and grizzled in some fashion. Anyway, so we're gonna talk a little <laughs> bit more about. It. We talked about it a little bit afterwards, uh, after we had our our discussion with her. Yes. Um, and how are we gonna remember how to recreate that exactly? Well, cause so I think, I think the big, so there was, that was very nice and she was very great. So like my, um, my biggest thing was, okay. I think that if, if I remember correctly and you correct me if I'm wrong, um, that like, I think even most pro lifey people can get their heads wrapped around the things she's talking about in terms of the, <clears throat> like all of the terrible versions of, you know, things can go wrong with your pregnancies. Um, and she had a whole list of them and, and, and I'm not, a, I'm not as well versed. Eptoc, eptopic is the only one eptopic? I can think of. Yeah. Right. You know, um, and most of those things happen between, you know, well, not even most of those, they can happen all along the way. And that was one of the points she made is like, you know, with these laws that are six weeks, 15 weeks, whatever it is, um, that you don't necessarily know these things. So anyway, right. my yeah. point was that like, and I had read it and it was New York times. And so I brought that with me now that oh. like, like 95% of abortions in the United States happen before 15 weeks already. And so like, but, but a huge, large number of them, I think it's something like half of them are not, aborted because of any of these said issues, it's merely a, a matter of choice. And so I, what I was thinking is like, I think you can get most pro-life people behind you in terms of like, okay, maybe we do need to have some access to this procedure because of all these medical things. But what that does is that just shifts the focus then away from these other 50%, which I called them in my, this is not, yes, just get out of my notes. This I was is not looking my notes. for the article. Oh, the other 50%, which is what you called. I called, uh, convenience. And then I immediately regretted e the word. Yep. Yep. I wanna, I'm just yep. trying to replay yep. it so that I'm honest Good. about mm -hmm. it. That I like they're out of convenience and <clears throat> I, and then the, the terminology would be more, uh, elective. That's the word yep. you used. Like if you're going to die, 
yeah. if you don't have an abortion, that's less elective sounding than just, you know, I don't know what I'm going to do. Sure. So anyway. What's interesting, I think, about some of these laws that are um, being pushed through in the past in the past few years, too. It's not just in the past couple of months where we've had these really loud ones in Texas and Mississippi. Um, but they don't they no longer consider in some cases the health of the mother or the risk to the mother. Sure. Um, like we used to allow for like in cases of rape or incest, also health of the mother. And now we're like nothing. Yeah. No excuse. No, nothing to fall back on. And so I think even if it was that, that's not what they're fighting for right now. Yeah. Which is dumb. Also, I want to see the New York Times article because I did not see it. Okay. So I want to look at what they are, um, what they are classifying yeah, I as. I just chucked it across the room at you. <laughs> well, Here. I can't do this. And, and I and I very well may have re <clears throat> or misstated some of their stuff. So like it would like uh, one of the things that I thought was interesting in there. Um, it, because New York Times put out this article um, basically crunching statistics about who gets abortions in the United States. And um, one of the most interesting things I thought from a person who hears a lot of pro-life jargon is that the majority of them, it's the first one. Like people don't typically have... It's not a repeat. Right. Yeah. It's not and a I repeat I think that's what, do, what Dr. Light was talking about where like we're not using this as a form of birth control. It's not like every time I get pregnant, I can just run in and go get an abortion quick. Like sure, it's not the, being used that way is what she was saying, I think. I think that's what she was saying, but I, but unfortunately part of, you know, it's just like gun issues. There's not enough actual reporting to be able to dig up really good information because what it does seem like is that it is used as a form of birth control for a lot of people one time. Like they're in their late twenties, they get pregnant, they have an abortion and then they don't have another one again. So like what, unfortunately what we don't know is why don't they have another one again? She's reading now. So now I have to, like, I'm trying to, sorry. Just yeah. Scrolling as fast as possible. <laughs> well, this, this, um, principal research scientist says that it's Ooh. people who don't have access to healthcare. So what I was looking for, um, was information on what they are, how they are defining abortion here. Oh, so sure. if this data is including all things that are considered abortion, which also includes all miscarriage or any termination of pregnancy, which is natural or not. Well, what she, well, and that was, that was news to me. And I'm not me. finding so that like, in here. Uh, well, ap apologies, right. New York no, Times. No, so I'm just, that's what I'm wondering. Like what data, is this all abortions? Because yes, then it makes way more sense to me that the majority are happening in the first six to nine weeks because- you have a lot of pregnancy, like natural pregnancy loss happens that early. You know what I mean? Right. So I'm just, I want to know that. No, piece and that was, that was a new piece of information for me that Dr. Light brought up was the idea that like a, a good number, and she didn't give <clears> us <throat> statistics, but of, uh, of failed pregnancies. Can we call it that? Failed pregnancies that where they're not actually like an abortion as a termination. She used it differently. She used different words. Yes. She used a termination yes. and abortion as yep. different things. Because abortion is like that big umbrella. And it right. seems to be that termination is like when you have a procedure or a medical right. abortion of some kind, like to actually terminate the pregnancy. Yeah. Not just a natural like miscarriage loss. Yeah. Anyway. So I, Go ahead. No, what were you going to say? Oh, I was just going to say, I think what we, we, and if I remember correctly from our, try to recap our, <clears throat> you always should just hit the record button. You don't have to put it out there. You should just record it anyway. Right. Uh, was that like, I think what I was saying was, is talking about like somewhere along the line where nobody knows 
like when 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 does personhood you know like when did when is it when is a fetus or a clump of cells or what however you choose to when is that a person when is that a person and when do they deserve to be protected which means like weighing the options what is super interesting to me about that and one of the um, podcasts that I sent to you actually spoke directly to that because they were talking about it from like depending on your religion that's super different right sure. and like some some religions view that as conception some religions view that as viability some religions view that as the age when you can make a choice you know about your <laughs> like right. I mean so it's it's like a huge wide spectrum and so that is like looking for that definition of when is this a person we're we're basing that on our religious principles or our religious views instead of like, here's a doctor telling you they could not survive. You know what I mean? Instead of that viability thing. And Mm -hmm. so we're looking at personhood instead of viability, but it's, it's such a broad spectrum based on your religious background. It, that blew my mind. Like I had never, I'd never learned about that perspective before Mm -hmm. um, because being raised, you know, in a Christian um, church and, you know, just in those circles, there was only one way of thinking about that, you know, like, sure. Yeah. Anyway, I thought that was really interesting. It is really interesting. And I think that something that, that pro maybe pro choice. And again, I'm sorry, we're just using, yeah, we hate those terms, but we're we're going to use them anyway. Like, and, and maybe I'm wrong, but I feel that my experience has been that like, they don't talk about, cause like there are always like, you, there's always stories and maybe they're one in a million, but they're amazing stories about, about children who, uh, who were born early and should, you know, doctors said they wouldn't survive. And I they have did. one. I right, have exactly. one. <laughs> but like, so like, it's really hard when you have a story like that. Yeah. And I know it might be not normative. It's not like the, like, this is always the case, but right. if somebody would have told you, and maybe they did. Did they tell? I'm going to ask you that. Did they tell you? Did they tell you that that your child would likely not be viable? Um, yeah. So um, we had. I, I mean, just for context, we had twins. We lost one in right. utero, and so like I was carrying one of each, right? One that was still alive, and one that wasn't. Um, and so I was given steroids and whatever. But they they were talking about like we need to have some conversations about what we're going to do, like what you want us to do, because. Mm-hmm. The chances right now are so low. First, because you're a twin. Second, because you have an infection from the, you know, like right. all whatever, kind, you had all, all kinds, kinds of things of red against flags. against her, right? And um, birth weight, whatever. Um, so yeah, you have those conversations, but it it's luckily for me, I think I had a relationship with a physician that I trusted, right? Sure. Like my care team. Mm-hmm. Um, I had an established relationship with them. And so having these conversations, I felt very comfortable in, here's what you're telling me. Here's, you know, what we would suggest. Mm-hmm. Um, by the time you hit, you know, 24 weeks, here's what that might look like. Here's what that could be. You could be looking at severe lifelong, you know, um, issues, oxygen for life, or, you know, whatever. Like you mm-hmm. could be looking at some serious things or you could get really lucky, right? <laughs> right. But like, to me, it's very different because like my baby came out, <laughs> right? Like I didn't, I didn't have to make that choice in the womb, right? Like I, do you know what I mean? And so like she came out and there she was like a viable living, mm-hmm. you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think the choice for me was, was very different. 
I don't know if that answers your question. Well, I mean, I it, it's we are trying to be like. <clears throat> I don't know. I'm making hand motions or whatever. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out what you're baking. Like you're, I'm, I'm you're making some tender, bread or something. But I don't do that very well. Because, well, I mean, because again, we're talking about lives. Yeah. Um, but like in a in in a different scenario, somebody could have chosen having all of those risk factors. Mm-hmm. They would have chosen something different. Yeah. And you don't know what those outcomes are going to be. You know? Does that make? Uh, I don't know. Yeah, I think so. And obviously, there, sorry, there is a string of me as the conservative libertarian type person who is like, yeah, that's their choice. Get out of their yeah, face. Yeah. But there is a there is a potential human yeah. who is not part of that decision making process. And I think so. So for me, um, we were right at the edge of that viability yeah. um, line. Um, she was born at 24 weeks and two days, which those two days were a really big deal, apparently. <laughs> um, but had it been any earlier, I mean, like now you hear news stories of babies who are born at 22 weeks and mm-hmm. survive mm-hmm. with lifelong issues. You know what I mean? I, I think that, I think that had we run into this much earlier, um, we could have been looking at a very different scenario mm-hmm. and then you're faced with like, do I want her to live a life of pain or as a Christian, I'm like, dude, heaven you know what i mean like that it's a weighty it's a weighty question then and i think it's a totally different scenario i don't know it's hmm. not a very good answer to your question well, i don't even know if i had an actual <laughs> question i mean it was i guess so going back to dr light our conversation with dr light like it's it is good to and we i think we mentioned this somewhere in there maybe not but it is good to try to round out your information to understand that like it's not cut and dried right um and know that people who who operate in this space are not necessarily evil people right um but that doesn't it still doesn't take away i mean the ultimate question i mean essentially and i think we've talked about this maybe not but essentially the question comes is which is uh somebody you know you you mentioned it being like a a, essentially a, a religious question but like Somewhere we have to decide when, when a person is a person. Yeah. And I mean, I think she mentioned a few different things about like brain activity or, you know, functioning outside of whatever, like there's a few different things that doctors look at. And I think that that is just a big part of my reasoning for thinking this decision should be up to those medical professionals, you know, like it should not be um, lawmakers who are not a part of that field or profession or process in any way other than I want to get votes. So I want to do this one way or the other. Cause I mean, cause either way, right? Like if you're strongly pro-choice, you're going to vote for the pro-choice candidate. If you're strongly pro, whatever, like, mm-hmm. so those are the platforms that that's going to be a part of your platform to get votes. Right. And like maybe, Maybe as a woman, you have some more stake in the game, maybe, um, other than just the votes. You know what I mean? But, like, really, I think that those decisions should only be left to medical professionals who have that training and understanding of, like, here's what we've determined for. And she and from what she was saying, like, there's still some gray area there about, like, when is a person, you know, functioning on their own and when is a person not, you know, like... yeah at end of life or in the womb, um, she's, there's still, you know, some question there. Um, but I, 
I think that that should be their decision. Do you, so in that context, then would you be comfortable with laws that said that abortion is illegal and unless it is uh, medically necessary, however it is that we define that? Because what basically what you're saying in that Mm. context is that a woman would be sitting down with her doctor, doctor and they'd be weighing the pros and cons and you would only be talking about life and viability. Oh no, sorry. That's not what I was saying. I was just answering, speaking to your question about we need to decide when a person is a person. Sure. And I think those decisions should be left to those people that are in that profession having those. Here's, here's my beef with the legality question. Mm -hmm. When you boil it down like that, um, abortion doesn't go away (laughs) when it's banned, right? Like Uh, we don't have, that's proven out like over time, over place, whatever. It doesn't go away when we ban it. And so it's going to be happening either way. Um, we're just like determining who has access to safe abortion and who doesn't, um, which is a health disparity, you know, I mean, across the globe, it's not just here. Um, so no, I don't think that the answer is to ban all abortion other than, you know, medical necessity, um, because it's then going to be happening in a less safe manner for those people who don't have the finances to afford to get it safely. They're going to like, if you want an abortion, you're going to find one. Mm-hmm. Right. I think, um, I think that is something that, that the pro-life side does not talk about enough. No. Uh, is, is that it will happen regardless. Yeah. Um, and also the disparities, the money disparities there. And I, yeah. I know it's probably super dumb, whatever I'm going to say it anyway, <laughs> cliche, but like there, there is sometimes a value and I'm, and I'm just throwing this out here for a society to say something is not legal because by saying it's not legal, it is, we're saying it is wrong, whatever it is, even if it's still going to happen. Mm. People still do all kinds of things that are horrible to each other. Uh, and we, and whether we have a law on the books or not does not actually make them not do it. Like, I don't think, I really don't think, I don't think maybe, mur- so I should, uh, whatever, I use murder. <laughs> I don't think there's less murder because it's illegal. Well, I mean, studies have shown like the death penalty isn't, you know, right. capital punishment so, like, isn't a deterrent. By, by saying like, well, you know somebody, what, people gonna are going to kill, when people yeah. are mad enough, they're going to kill people <clears throat> anyway. Like, think- they just say you don't, but there is a value to a society saying, we do not think it is right to take a life of another person. So like, it may not, I understand if you don't, see it in the same way in this same context. I'm just saying that just because I don't, I think it is something that we should take into consideration, but just because something is going to happen, whether it's legal or not, is not a reason in itself to make it legal. Sure. I, I see where you're coming from. I think that the problem you run into is first, like your morals are not everybody's morals, right? So just because you believe all abortion is wrong, doesn't mean that Joe Schmo, who has a different religious value system or a non-religious, you know what I mean? Like, so I think there's a mess, there's kind of some mess there, mm-hmm. which is, mm-hmm. we'll set that aside because I have some similar beliefs as you. <laughs> um, so like, I can't argue that person's perspective. Um, but, but again, if, if we were to say, we believe this is wrong, so we're going to make it illegal, but we still know it's going to happen. The problem is it comes back to disparity, right? So if I have wealth, I can fly to Mexico or Canada or Europe or wherever. Or New York or wherever. Well, I mean, if it's illegal there, it's illegal there, right? But like I can fly somewhere else. I can get the procedure. So those people are able to still have abortions safely. And then what's going to happen is the people who are 
in poverty can't get access to a safe abortion and we're looking at more risky procedures or like experimental medicine that they're getting in the mail from someone that is not regulated. Right. Mm. Like, so, um, I, I, it was interesting. I heard an interview where the, where the lady was saying like, it's not going to end up like we're back to coat hangers. Right. Cause there's so many medicines available now, right. but it's going to be like, you're using some hokum, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so again, the risk to people of color, people who are poor, um, is much greater than the people who have the wealth and means to fly somewhere and get safe access. So I don't think that banning it just because we say, we don't believe this is a good idea mm-hmm. or we, you know, don't support this as a mainstream process, whatever. I think that the platform of many um, people in the democratic party is it should be safe, legal and rare, mm-hmm. right? Like my bottom line is there would be, there would be none except in, in the case of, you know, like medical necessity, rape, incest, whatever, you know, like if, if we eliminate some of these other factors that lead to, the demand mm-hmm. um, for abortion. I would love to see that. Um, but I don't think there's any way that we can ban it just on a moral basis and expect that that's going to lead to good outcomes. Okay. Mm. <laughs> I I think what's, what's super concerning to me, and we talked a little bit with Naomi about it, is the piece where um, a large part of the umbrella of abortion is people who are actually miscarrying Mm -hmm. and like then, you know, doctors who are prevented from um, helping these women because, you know, some part of that could actually be banned under their abortion laws. Um, I think that is a big piece of the conversation that's missing on the pro-life side. And when, you know, when they're passing these laws or pushing for this legislation um, because many of those people have experienced that and would be, you know, would have gone through a procedure that they can, now consider illegal, um, or they could be criminally punished for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I think that really needs to be something that we talk more about. Okay. Wow. You're quiet. Well, the, the, <laughs> I mean, the fact of the matter is at least, as, at least right now. Yeah. For me. Yeah. I am extraordinarily uncomfortable with the whole thing. Sure. And it is, um, confusing mm-hmm. and it is morally fraught mm-hmm. and there's just so many things. And so like I, I'm, and like we talked about, I think we had a little bit in our last conversation, like this is not going to go away. Mm-hmm. Like we are going to, as humans probably talk about it forever. Yeah. Um, and it, no matter if it, if it's more legal, less legal, whatever it is, it's, it's going to be part of how we wade through, life and it's just and it's yucky and it's uncomfortable so like i was yeah I, <laughs> yeah I, I, it's, <sighs> and i don't want to yeah i just, just be like no i you know i don't really want to talk about it because like yeah mm-hmm. anyway and i'm sure that i drag a lot of um history historical to me baggage with it with with religious things and what you know whatever yeah. it is like um that I am not really, I am not yet willing to completely part with. So mm-hmm. it's just going to be, it's a uncomfortable situation, but I, I would not want to live. I would not, is it still cliche? It's bad. Is it bad to say like, I wouldn't want the women in my life. Like, or like as a husband and a father of girls, you know, like <laughs> as a human being, <laughs> yeah. Um, like I wouldn't want to live in Texas or any, like, 
where there where it is so restrictive that uh, if any of these, and if I'm wrong, may, which I maybe am, any of these half of pregnancies that that may require not half of pregnancies, half of whatever, you know what I mean? Like yeah. require these things at any given point in in the situation where you are in a in a dangerous situation like that doesn't i don't want to live there like yeah. i don't want people to live under that yeah but i also don't want to live uh in a society where it's where we're cavalier about it mm-hmm. and so like I, I want something in the middle yeah and i and i do think that i find it reassuring when i read um stories from you know medical professionals who are in this field or you know talking to naomi or listening to podcasts whatever um I don't think anybody is being cavalier about it. Um, um, I think it's, I, it's uh, I won't say anybody. I think it's very rare. Um, you know, like when, I mean, even even she said, like, I wish that this didn't have to be a thing or, you know, I don't remember how exactly she phrased it, but um, I think everybody wants it to be rare, right? Like um, we need we need to look more into maternal health and we need to look more into healthcare in, g- in general or sex education. What, like there's so many pieces to this, mm-hmm. but I don't think that even people, you know, further to the left than me, um, I don't think that people are out there just saying like, you get an abortion and you get an abortion. Everybody gets an abortion here. You know, like it's not a party, right? Like we're not walking into this. I don't know. I disagree. Uh- we want rights and we want like, like I think that I think that there's a party around um, marching to say like you don't get a say over my body kind of like that turns into a party but yeah. I don't think yeah. that the actual like person walking into her doctor's office saying like I need sure is doing it you know in a fashion that is just totally like right whatever I mean we have to we have to admit that likely there are those people there are those people sure. that are very but cavalier it with it, but it's going to be real rare. minority. Yes. Um, but I would push back on that. There are plenty of instances of whatever you want to call them, supporters, activists, protesters, whatever, like that are, uh, there's a small group that is like shout your abortion kind of situation um, where, where I understand the idea of like removing some of the stigma yeah. Because, like, if, in fact, one in three women that you run into yeah. in, in the United States have had an abortion, like, it's way more common than you think. Yeah. Um, and I think that that is helpful. But yep. not in the, like, <coughs> like hey, it's it's one thing if it's more common. I don't necessarily want to normalize it. Yeah. Um, and then, I mean, I, I have to, I, I would be lying if I didn't say, like, when people chant, like, my body, my choice. That rubs me the wrong way. And I understand that I'm not being regulated the same way that women are being regulated. Just don't come at me with that. But I just mean like, <laughs> because it makes it feel like it's just about, I get to control what's going on in my body. It has not, there's there's not any room for the potential human that is part of the equation. And so, yeah, I do think that sometimes it feels that way that people who are pro-abortion access... <laughs> Is that the, no, it's not good. We got to, God, I yeah, I know labels, whatever are, are <clears throat> off, especially the loudest ones are often the most cavalier. That's what I think. That's how I feel. That's what that's just say. That's how I feel. And I, I think maybe, I think maybe there's, um, some appearance of like, but, but I don't think that that's the picture when you're actually walking into well, so, a clinic, you know, and that's what she said uh, too, but 
I I agree with that. Yeah. Um, and I, and you could totally throw it back in my face that anybody who is a pro choice or pro lifer is also like you know boo boo throwing blood on people and stuff like that because there's plenty of those people it's out disgusting. there too. It's right. Yeah. Um, and also, well, no, we don't need to go into go right what pro life means. But um, I, yes, I think that there is. <laughs> I think you guys, I, mm, you guys can't see how pained we are when we try to do yeah. this. I think that the shout your abortion thing, like it kind of came right on the tails of the beginnings of that me too mm-hmm. hashtag. Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that there was some semblance of like, we need to get these stories that are usually full of shame, right? Sure. Like we need to share them and realize you're not alone. Right. Like I get that. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also see how that could be perceived as, or even some of that may be done as, you know, more of like a, be proud of it. Mm-hmm. Right. Which I don't know that that was the intention of most of that. You know, like I did, I did see a lot of like, yeah, come up from the shame kind of conversation. Um, but I do see how some of that could definitely have been like, you don't need to hide, just be proud of it, whatever. Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm not for that. Like, um, yeah, yeah. I just, I don't think that the decisions are being made as lightly as we'd like to think. There was one. So just recently you sent it to me. I listened to it. There's a podcast you sent to me and we should put it in the links. Do you remember what the podcast was? It was, um, um, it was called explained, right? The, right? No. Yeah. Try again. The experiment. There you go. The experiment is the podcast. And it was titled in between pro-life and pro-choice. Um, we are going to put that in the social medias and stuff like that because everybody should listen to it, particularly if you, so part of, I think our giant pains that you and I twist ourselves into yeah. is that, uh, f- for us, there is definitely a religious and faith factor wrapped up in all of this. Mm-hmm. Um, and this, you sent it to me, I listened to it and it was wonderful, um, because it was a, uh, a woman who had had some uh, traumatic, uh, pregnancy issues, pregnancy yeah. issues mm-hmm. um, and was a is a professing Christian and was very big into the pro life movement and and sort of had and was a nurse in a women's clinic. Yeah, yeah. like, but also had uh, multiple different experiences which changed her perspective. Yeah, and it was really good. And what I think was the most, and this is part of the problem that I think you and I get twisted up about, is that um, nobody in her church wants to talk about it. Right. Nobody wants it. They want. They only want to hear the stories, which are amazing, mm-hmm. usually moving, um, but fit the narrative. And hers didn't fit the narrative, and yeah. so I think that it's important to. So anyway, we're gonna put that one out there. That was really good. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Anyway, so we're not. I, it's still gross and messy, and yeah, there's just so much nuance, right? Like we just, I think, to say that it's black and white. Yeah. It it just it just isn't. Yeah. <laughs> it just isn't. Yeah. I agree. Eh. All right. All right. Well, there's a wrap up for you. <laughs> there's a wrap up. <laughs> Hope you enjoyed the conversation previous and this one. Yeah. Um, but keep it going. And if you are somebody who if you're either a woman who's never uh had been put in this situation or if you're a dude Ask some people. Like, yeah. uh, try it, to look it'll for be a little bit uncomfortable. Right? Yeah. I mean, don't go around the street going like, "Hey, <laughs> I need to talk I need to, to talk somebody." To somebody. Um, but 
asked some people and I think yeah. from the, one of our well, from our original abortion one like I shared some stories that I had even had conversations that I had with my wife whom I've been married to for 20 years that yeah. like we had never had because I never asked them yep. and so like ask ask people because mm-hmm. we need to talk about it yeah alright yep thanks well there you have it another episode of Flyover Logic this is Mike and Tammy saying that even if you don't have time to land here we're glad you found time to listen <laughs>